spirit of thanksgiving in the house of God today. Are you thankful for his goodness to you? Are you grateful for his mercy to you? God is worthy to receive praise. I think we need to give it to him willingly in the house of God today. Not forced, not coerced, but from a willing heart. Lord, I love you and praise you and thank you. Hallelujah. I honor you. Give to you thanks today in the house of God. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Man, this is why I come to church. Hallelujah. I said, this is why I come to church. Hallelujah. Why did you come to church today? I came to church to feel exactly what I'm feeling right now. The anointing and the moving of the Holy Ghost is the reason why I got up this morning, put on something nice, and came to the house of God to appear before the Lord. I appear before the Lord, and He is here in this place, ministering to each and every person in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your graciousness and your mercy to us. None of us should be in this place here today. But his mercy reached for us, and we are here in the house of God because of his mercy and faithfulness. We have not always been faithful, and we certainly have been judgmental, but God has shown to us mercy and faithfulness and has given us something to strive for. I'm striving for that. He's the author, and he's the finisher of my faith. God, I want you to author some things in my life. Hallelujah. I feel faith in the house of God today. I want you to author some things in my life. Praise God. And I want you to finish some things in my life. Amen. Praise God. Praise God feels good in the house of God today. Hallelujah. Had the opportunity of showing up a little early, walked through T-Rockets. A lot of kids and people in T-Rockets, they were having a great time. Walked through the Libby Center. They were praying for Spanish service. Walked into this place. Amen. I'm grateful and thankful for everything that God is doing, and I'm glad that I can just be a part. Amen. I'm glad I can be a part. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Also notice something that I think would be cool to start, and that is if you're a young couple, this morning there were young couples worshiping together up front. Man, that was pretty exciting. That was neat. If you have children, sometimes you can't do that because you're going in and out and what have you. But if you have no children and you're a couple, the good thing to do is worship the Lord together. Amen. And so I, I challenge some other young couples to follow through. They're not all married. Some of them are engaged. But what better place to be engaged and be worshiping God in the front? That's awesome. That's exciting. Amen. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter number six, and we will begin reading in verse number five. We'll read to verse 15. We're specifically picking two verses out. Verse 10 verse 9 and verse number 10. But in order to get a context, a proper context, we will start in verse number 5. It's good to have all of our guests with us in the house of God. This morning, we welcome you and we're grateful that you are here. Praise God. Verse number 5, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go into a physical closet as much as it means closing off 
everything around you so that you can enter into a focused prayer. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. This is one of the reasons why we don't have printed prayers. We don't repeat uh, prayers. Because Jesus said, when you pray, don't use vain repetitions. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. It's better to pray out of the heart and not necessarily out of something that someone has created for you. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. And then verse number 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. I want to stop there. There's more to that prayer. It goes on and the thought is concluded. But verse number 9 and verse number 10 is where we want to focus our attention here today. And that is on the kingdom that is coming. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you about thy kingdom. Amen. Thy kingdom. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your blessing and your goodness. We ask that you would direct us today. Help us to have a focus upon what we are doing in the house of God, in the world that we live in. Pray that you would direct us and guide us. We thank you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. So in this passage of scripture, Jesus is laying out, he's laying out quite a few things. In chapter number five, he sees the multitudes, he goes up into a mountain, and he starts to teach. These are kingdom principles that he's teaching. He teaches about murder and anger. He teaches about temptation. He teaches about divorce, forgiveness, loving one's enemies, giving, fasting, focus on laying up treasures in heaven, teaches about worrying, judging and being judged, asking and receiving, the straight and wide gate, false prophets, and building your life on a proper foundation. All of this is captured from chapters 5 through 7. And he, in the middle of that, talks about prayer, how we should pray, what we should do. And in verse number 9, he says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. There is a kingdom that is in front of us, and Jesus is ushering it in. He is inaugurating it. He is teaching about it. Some will receive it. Some will reject it. The majority, even his own disciples, at some point, walk away from it, but they pick it back up when they realize that he is a God of the living, not a God of the dead. So much of his teaching becomes realized to them after Calvary and after he comes out of a tomb alive with all power in his hands and the kingdom of God continues to move forward. It is not something that is new to Jesus. It is not something that is new to the church it is something that begins from the very beginning of the scripture when God starts building something. 
He starts creating things. There is movement and there is action. There is a void and there is darkness. But when God steps in, there is a light that shines. And all of a sudden, there is power that starts moving. And instead of a void and darkness, there is a light and creation. Amen. The church must be about the Father's business, creating light to a dark world, testifying about light that shines in a dark world. And when the light shines, it moves into every crevice and into every corner and God starts molding and shaping and creating new things for his glory. The world is not about creating. If it is, it's creating stuff only to set you up for destruction and tearing down and failure. But God always creates and builds up. Thank God that he looked at each and every one of us and said something can be built out of the clay that you are. There's a destiny and a purpose in your life, so I'm going to mold you and shape you so that you can be used in something that is greater than what is in this world. Are you thankful today in the house of God that what we feel is something not of this world, it's something outside of this world, but it's coming into this place, and it's the kingdom of God and the power of God and the presence of God. So it's not a new idea it's something that goes back to the beginning of time because the scripture said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So God, in the very beginning, gives to us an analogy of how we should view our lives and how God moves and it should inspire us to take on the same attributes of the divine. My role model here in the house of God today is not some idol of the world. My role model is upon what God is doing in the world and the kingdom that he is employing in the world. I want to be involved in that. I'm not interested in what the latest Hollywood star is doing. I'm not interested in the local pop star that's making great headwinds into fame and fortune. I'm not interested in all of that stuff. I am am interested in what God is doing and what God is doing is great things praise God in the house of God today praise God there is a difference between the tracking of the world and the direction that God wants to take each and every one of us and so in the beginning God is creating he is he is forming he's shaping and he's revealing to, to us by his own action Analogically, he is revealing to us what he does and how he does it. He creates things. He builds things. He builds and creates things from nothing as we start in the very beginning. And then through the creation account on each one of those days, he creates stuff and he sets up order. Not disorder. He comes to disorder and then he creates order. He's establishing things. You may be coming from disorder, and much of life is disorder. I don't know what your home life is like, but it may be terrible. Your father may not be a good father, and your mother may be an absentee mother, and your siblings and everybody else, it could be a lot of disorder and dysfunction and confusion. But I'm preaching today in this pulpit that God's not about breaking you down. He's about building you up. He is a builder. He builds things. So he creates and he builds and he's building order and he's building structure for us to be in 
And so here we are in this world that God has created. It is not happenstance. It is a divine design and creation by the creator of the universe. Did you know that they thought they had scientists, thought they had things figured out in the, in the cosmos, and they said, here's the Milky Way, and that's all that there is, but they're finding out that that is just one entry of much, much more. And the more technology is able to telescopically go out into the future, there's re they realize there is more than what we thought was there. There is no way this just happened. This came from a creator that was building stuff out of the void and the chaos. Amen. There's a spiritual truth there, and the spiritual truth is from the very beginning, God has been a builder. And in building, he tries to exemplify to us what we should be doing. We should be building. We should be creating. That may be blowing your mind, but what are you building? What are you building in your family? What are you building in your home? What are you building in your church? You should be about the business of building. The enemy would love to tear down. The enemy would love to destroy because that's what he's good at, but God's about building. God's about creating. What are you creating? What are you building? What am I building? I'm building a house of revival. I'm creating something where mercy and forgiveness and justice and peace and judgment is all at play because God is the ultimate builder and he's called me and you to do the same thing. He's called us to build and create and, and, and make things orderly and have structure. And, and, and that takes work and that takes effort, but this is what God does. And he does this for six days and on the seventh day he rests. And so the analogy is work and build and then take a moment to rest and then start building and working again. This is how God works. And the rest is built into that early account because later he's going to provide to us something that gives to us a daily rest through his spirit. So this is what God is doing from the very beginning. He is building, he is creating from what is void and what is chaos, and he starts fashioning, and, and he makes something out of it. And he reveals that there is something beyond just this existence and this life. Everybody with me here this morning? Are you okay? Did everybody eat your Wheaties, Fruity Pebbles, Frosted Flakes? All that <laughs> Frosted Flakes, okay. All that stuff that is really, really good for you that will really wake you up, right? And so here you're in the house of God, and, and we're following a train of thought here. God is doing stuff from above, and he's, he's fashioning something beneath. And so he comes to the world, and he creates something. But what we realize from the beginning is there is something outside of the realm of this earthly existence that we are living in. And God is outside of that, and he is creating because he's sovereign and he's transcendent. But he comes down like an arrow of light into the chaos and into the terra firma and into the world and there is something that cataclysmically happens because something is touching the earth from heaven. Amen. And there's a spiritual truth in that because this is what God is intending for us to see and do through his word. It is the theology of his mission and that is something from the heaven comes to the earth and fashions and molds and changes and moves stuff. You got to get out of this earth. I mean you, you can't just live on 
this plane in existence that is just earthly. There is nothing good in the earth. There is addiction. There is dysfunction. There is failure. There is disappointment. There is confusion. There is trouble. There is difficulty. There is pain. There is anguish. There is anger. And I've ran out of space. But God is saying there is something that is greater than in this plane of existence. There is something more powerful, and it comes from heaven. Praise God. I want to testify to somebody. If you came here today thinking this is just another service, what are these people doing? These people are worshiping God because something from heaven came down and touched them on the earth, and it changed their life. Hallelujah. Let's thank God together for his greatness and his goodness. Hallelujah. God saw the confusion in our lives, and he changed some things. And so he starts building. He starts creating, and he reveals. That's the second point. So the first point is he's building, and he's creating. Turn, turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are a builder. What is it that you're building? What is it that you're building? And then, since we're talking about building, and before we go to the next point, some people are better builders than others. Some people are more skilled than others. Right? So they just put in a, a, a playground area in the daycare. They took out all the dirt, and they took out all the grass, and they dug it out, and they moved the dirt, and then they brought uh, rock, gravel, and sand, and they put astroturf, turf on top of it, and they put a structure up so that the kids can come outside and enjoy the yard. And so <clears throat> that takes, that's building. And so that takes a certain skill set to do that. And so just in talking with all of them, uh, Brother Josiah took that on himself to to uh, do that project, he bounced that off of Brother Greg, and they drew up the plans, and then he had some other people helping him. It's really nice. It's going to be really nice. But I'm saying that because to get the dirt out of there is, is not an easy thing. It's There's a narrow sidewalk there with sticking out of it. There is a, a water supply there. That <laughs> What are you laughing for? Brother and Sister Bustamante, you're laughing because Gabe, when he was down here working, driving a golf cart, hit it and created all kinds of problems because it broke underneath the surface and water was going everywhere. And I always give Gabe a pass no matter what he does. One time he messed the sound system up. It was terrible. Then he did that. But I always give him a pass because that young man is a hard, hard worker. And I appreciate that. So, <laughs> He came to me, and he's trying to figure out how, now how are we going to pay for that. I said, don't worry about it. It's going to take a long time out of your check to, to pay it back. But I'll tell you what. You just keep being faithful, and you keep leading, and you keep working hard, and we're good. And so, so there's not much. The point of that was we got off on that because you guys were laughing over there. And that's, so that's your fault. Uh, the point in that was it's very narrow to get through there. And so you got to have skills. So while they were all talking, they were talking about Don Monks and how he was taking this tractor in that narrow space, all of that dirt, and he was getting the dirt out of there without touching the side of the wall, running into pipes and stuff. There are some builders, and then there are, there are craftsmen in their trade. 
right? And when you, when you see a true craftsman, you can stand there and you can say, this was the hand of a true craftsman. And then there's other people like me that I have to go on YouTube. And, and I'm very meticulous, and I'll, I, I, you know, I can't do everything, but I'll look at YouTube and try to get it just right, and it's so frustrating, and it takes so long. When somebody else that knows what they're doing just steps in there, and it's perfect, and that would have taken me three to four weeks and a lot of headache to do that. So a true craftsman is building something, and they're fine-tuning it. They've spent a lot of time and effort into making it. And so this is what I'm asking you. Spiritually, God, if God is, if what God is doing from the very beginning and the mission of God goes through the entire Scripture. So the theology of God's mission is that he is building, revealing, he's creating, he's a true craftsman, and he has things that are planned and that he's doing. And so he reveals that and exemplifies that to us. I'm asking you, what are you building, and how good of a builder are you? Why do we come to church so much? It's because we're getting the experience and we're applying principles and the word of God is being established in our life so that we start building on something and we're working on something. And you can see it. You can see it in some people when they come to church and they take it seriously and they work on it and they build skill sets and all of a sudden you're seeing how they are adding value into the kingdom of God because a light bulb has gone off that says, I need to build, I need to create, I need to do something. From the very beginning, this is something that is a God thing. I can't just come and sit and not do anything because God has called me to build. I am not a spectator. God has called me to be a builder. What are you building? Why do we come to church? Because we're building. We're building. So what kind of builder are you? Don't do shoddy work. Build something that is magnificent. I read... I, I'm off on a, I'm, 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 I'm still, I, I got it all figured out. I haven't lost my mind, so I know where I am. And I've not three, four iterations into something that I'm not going to get back to. Uh, so we're good, <laughs> at least for now. Uh, there was this guy that he's building in, in medieval periods and times. He's building a magnificent cathedral, and he's laying one brick at a time. And the concept of two bricklayers, one, when he's asked, what are you doing, He's saying, I'm just <laughs> laying a bunch of bricks. And he doesn't like it because he's just it's too monotonous and he's laying bricks. He's a bricklayer and that's all he can see. So he, he, he's thinking one-dimensionally. I come, it's a job, it's a money, that's all. I come, it's a job. It's a, so one dimension, that's all he's thinking about. But they asked the guy next to him what he was doing, and he said, I am building a magnificent cathedral. See the difference? One is just laying bricks. The other is saying, I am doing something that is amazing. We got to get that mentality in our head. What am I doing? I'm just going to church. It's just, no, you're not just going to church. You are building something that is magnificent. That is a mission and calling of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So now let's go to the next point. So building and being a builder, God is showing that there is something that is outside of this world that is affecting this world. Now let me say something about that real quick. A one-dimensional person only sees one thing. It is the lowest, if you're talking about dimensions of, of being, the first dimension is, is lower than a dog. A dog is kind of two-dimensional because a dog wants food and wants affirmation and love, right? 
And, and that's, if, if they have that, they're, they're not going to expound philosophy to you. <laughs> you can talk to them all you want, but they're not going to respond back. They may look at you sideways, but that doesn't mean they understand you. <laughs> oh, look, my dog is smarter than all the other dogs because I said something and he cocked his head sideways. And, no, he just, the sound waves are coming. And, and what he's thinking is, is there a treat to what you're saying? Is a, uh, uh, <laughs> one dimensional living is lower than a dog. I'm talking about, I'm talking about powerful things here in the house of God today. When you're an addict, you are less than a dog because all you can think about is your next fix. It's one dimension is very linear, right? Linear. You know what linear is? For all of you that love algebra, do you know what algebra one is all about? It's linear. Everything is a straight line. You're learning all these equations. Do we have any teachers here? Any mathematicians here in the house? No mathematicians? And nobody that loves al nobody that loves math. Sister Anthony. Well, algebra one is a it's a straight line. Pre-calculate. Well, and then you get an algebra two. Algebra two is parabolas. And hyperbolas and things like that, that's not a straight line. And then when you get into precalculus, that is the equations on all the different lines. But a linear line is something that is just, it's straight. So, and you use it often. Some people say, I don't understand math, it's just so dumb. Well, a straight line, can't, if you lift it up, like this is, this would be horizontal. And if you lift it up, well, now what happens? It has slope, rise over rise. Well, where do you do slope? Well, if you're doing any grading, you, you got to know slope, and that's math. And so you got to figure all of that out. If you're doing surveying, you got you got to know where to <laughs> you got to know where to put the stakes so that when they grade it, they, the slope is right and the grading is right and the elevation is right. Because if the elevation is not right, you're not building correctly, and so you may think, well, it's all good. And then it starts raining, and you haven't built the correct elevation. Now your house starts flooding, and then you realize maybe math is has some importance. But a straight line that is linear, it goes from point A to point B. And when you're living in a dimension, one dimension of A to B, that is a person that is addicted because all they can think about when they wake up in the morning is how do I get over there from point A? How do I get to point B? Point B is where my fix is. And so I'm on a straight line. And this is what I'm doing every day. I'm not seeing anything else. I'm not seeing anybody else. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? If you've had anybody that, that is in this kind of situation, Sister Lisa can testify and tell you this is exactly the existence of an addict. It's linear. It's lower than a dog. That's what the devil would love to do with you. Drive you to an existence where all you can think about is the next fix, the next high, the next whatever, and every single day is all about that. Thank God somebody preached a gospel message that said you're not designed to live there. You got to get out of that world and you got to rise to be what God wants you to be. And so God's coming from a different perspective, something that is overarching, something that is powerful. He's coming into this world, this earthly existence that's all about. And you look at people and that's all that they're about. I, I was on a flight from Birmingham, Alabama to Dallas, got onto a plane to Dallas. 
Dallas to Bakersfield got in yesterday from a conference. Dallas to Bakersfield sat by two people, very nice people, but you could tell they were on a plane of existence that included one topic, and the entire time, that's all that they talked. How do we get from point A to point B? And this can be all of things that are mundane in life. It doesn't necessarily have to be an addiction, but it has to. it's something that drives you to the point. They were talking about, I mean, they were breaking down the sports world and the college world and the statistics of that, and, and they were coming back from that, and I don't, I don't know exactly what they were doing or what their occupation was, but that's all that they talked about is point A to point B. And you get in the earth and in the world and you start living that way. You can even do that with your job if you're not careful. My job is point A to point B. The world is like that. We work Monday through Friday and then Friday night we go out and party and then we're so crazy and, 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 and completely upside down and we got headaches into, into Saturday and into Sunday and then Monday morning we get them. We do the same thing over again. Point A to point B. This is the existence. What kind of existence is that? What kind of life is that? That if your purpose is just to live week to week, all of a sudden life doesn't have much of existence and you get very disappointed in life. But if there is something that comes from the outside and reveals to you that there is something that is greater and that life is not just horizontally living, linear living from point A to point B, but God comes down vertically and he hits you with the power and anointing that puts purpose and destiny into your life. All of a sudden you're not just living day to day, but God has given you a reason for living. He's given you a reason reason to have a destiny. you got a testimony. You're supposed to build and help people. You're, you're, you're there to help them out of dimensional living that is at the bottom and say, I'm an ambassador from a kingdom that is greater than this kingdom that is in the earth. There is more to what you are doing to this life. God has got something better for you. God, you're not just coming to church here today. It's thy kingdom. So let me continue. So God's a builder. Then he reveals there is something greater. And then we, we get hints of this in the scripture. Actually, today in the reading, we'll actually kind of finish with that today. Brother Fields read something about ascending and descending. And so early on in the scripture, we get this notion that something is coming from the heaven to the earth we get this in Genesis chapter 28, where Jacob is coming out of Beersheba, and he's going toward Haran, and this is uh, chapter 28, verse number 10, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took some stones, and he put them for his pillows, and he laid down to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set on the earth, and the top of it reached into the heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac, the land wherein thou liest to thee will I give it unto thy seed, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is not just Jacob. This is you. This is something ascending and descending on you that has an impact like, like God is telling Jacob here to all the earth. And behold, I am with thee and will keep you in all places where you go and will bring you again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. 
And Jacob awaked out of his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. I was asleep. And he was afraid. He said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on, upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. That's why we call Bethel Apostolic Academy, because of this passage of Scripture where there is an ascension and descension of God's ability and power. God speaks into the earth from this, this ladder, and he comes, and this is the house of the Lord. This is where God is mentioned in the earth. And so it's a place called Bethel. So there's this ascending and descending. So very early on in the scripture, we get this notion and idea that God is descending something into the earth. And essence, so that there is the ability of pulling knowledge and wisdom and ability and heavenly things from the heavenlies into the earth. This is one of the reasons why we need to read the scripture, because if the scripture is God's truth and word to us, this is the descension of his truth and his ability that I can pull heavenly things into the earth. Because most people, they're always just talking about the earth. It's all about the earth. It's everything that has to do with the earth. It has to do with the people in the earth. And so, and that's all there is, is the earth. And so that's what we focus on. And we do that in every single industry. Except in this passage of scripture, we see and get a hint that there's something more to life than just that. That there is something from the outside that comes into us. And so Jacob sees that. And that truth is revealed to us that God is sovereign, but he's also imminent. He's transcendent above all things, but he's also imminent in all things, <clears throat> and so he is, he is touching the earth. This is in the very beginning. This is after God starts to build. There is a fall. Adam and Eve are free and conscious to do their own thing. They have a choice to make, and they make their choices, and it impacts everything, and there is a fallen uh, world then, a fallen humanity, and all of a sudden, there is another system that is at play and at work. It's called the system of the world, and it is called the system of of the enemy that will leverage everything against you. And yet at the same time, there is glimpses of stuff that is beyond this world. Amen. I want you to know something here in the house of God today. I want something that is greater than what is just in this world. Praise God. When you're young, you think, man, it's all, it's all good. But man, there's a lot of stuff in the world that is not good. And it's dysfunctional and it's disappointing and there's failure after failure. I want something beyond just this earth. I want something that is, so I want a sovereign move of God that shakes me into some other dimension of living and being that is not just a robot and directed and controlled by the world and the enemy of my soul that tries to compress me down to the place of being lower than a dog. I believe God has called me to greater things. I want to experience those great things in my life. Then in Genesis chapter number 12, God is doing all this stuff. He's building, he's working, he's bringing these truths from above into the earth. And then he calls a specific man by the name of Abraham. Abraham becomes the father of the faithful. He comes out. There is a calling out because if, if you're going to be directed by what God is doing outside of the earth, God is going to call you out of the earth. And so he calls Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham, you are not like everybody else. I'm calling you to something that is greater 
doesn't matter if everybody else is doing it, Abraham. I'm calling you out of the land of idolatry. And so he comes out of the earth of the Chaldees, and, and God starts directing him and guiding him into heavenly purposes. And sometimes it doesn't look like uh, God knows what he's doing because here's Abraham and Sarah. He's promised them a child, and he's promised them descendants, and they're old, and it doesn't make any sense. But the kingdom of God and the things that come from above to the earth don't operate on the same plane and level we're thinking that the earth operates on. It's from something different. You can't take earth principles and try to apply them to heavenly kingdom principles. The kingdom of heaven is different than the kingdom of the world. And so if you're trying to fit in with the world and still operate on kingdom principles, you're going to be disappointed. But when you operate on kingdom principles, God calls you out and he brings to you truth and he brings to you wisdom and he brings to you knowledge and then you're able to speak to the world that is around you so that the world that is around you is formed by what God is speaking through you and not the world forming you, trying to press you into something that is different. Anybody get that? If you're going to follow God, you got to let God form you and shape you. I don't care what the world says. It doesn't matter to me what all of my friends may say. I'm living for God. I'm trusting in God. I know he's got better things for me. Hallelujah. The friends that I think I have, are not really my friends. They let me down. They confused me. They disappointed me. I want to preach to you here for just a moment right here that God will never disappoint you. He's got your best interests in mind. He wants to fill you with his spirit. He wants to anoint you with his power. And so from Abraham comes Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, the 12 sons, becomes the 12 tribes of Israel. And Israel becomes the vehicle by which God exemplifies a lot of heavenly things to the earth. The tabernacle is set up in a particular way. And there is a worship and there's ceremonies, there's sacrifices, there's animal sacrifices in proper ways. This is all trying to help people understand there's something heavenly that's coming to the earth. And it's not just a mundane existence, but God is doing things in the world. And he uses Israel as a vehicle to testify of his goodness and his greatness. And there's all there's always oppositions, but the kingdom of God is always at play. Always. The kingdom of God is at play. And so no matter what happens, every skirmish, it's the kingdom of God. From the very beginning when God is building and he's revealing that I'm coming down in a sovereign way, kingdom of God. Through the Old Testament, kingdom of God. Everything that happens in the Old Testament, kingdom of God. God is displaying there is something that is greater. So when David steps out against Goliath, Goliath is trying to, he's bringing threatenings and, and, and he wants a man to come and fight him. This is the kind of thinking where the world says we're going to array our power and our ability and we're bigger and we're better and we're uglier than you are. Bring somebody out to fight me and nobody wants to go out and fight him because it looks like the world has arrayed itself in such a powerful way that nobody can win. And then there is a shepherd boy that steps on the battlefield and says something must be done. God God is greater than this giant that is breathing threatenings. I'll go out and I will do what God has called me to do. And the giant says, you look puny. You look small. You're just a ruddy child. Who do you think you are? That's the way that God works because it's kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Because the kingdom is greater than anything that looks big and strong and powerful. And David 
with five stones, puts a stone right between Goliath's head. Goliath falls. There is victory because a small, what seemed like insignificant thing in the earth, he wasn't operating by earthly means. He said to Goliath, you come to me with spear and sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts of the army of Israel. There is something greater that's happening here, and it's a God thing. That's the kingdom of God. And, and it happens everywhere. When you read the scripture, it happens over and over and over. Three Hebrew children, they're told to bow to the image because Nebuchadnezzar said, said everybody's going to bow when they play the band. And so they play the band, and everybody's supposed to bow to this big image. And everybody does, but there's three Hebrew children. They're not bowing. They're just standing there. Can you imagine the pressure of that? <laughs> I mean, it would be a lot of pressure if that happened in here, right? However many people are in here. If we said, okay, now, everybody bow. Everybody bows and three people standing. Right, that would be a little bit of pressure. But when you're talking about multitudes upon multitudes and they're not bowing, why aren't you bowing? Because we're the children of God and we bow to no image. We don't follow idolatry. We're not bowing. Okay, well, I'll give you one more opportunity. I'll give you one more opportunity. We're going to do it again. Band's going to play. And if you don't bow, maybe you'll change your mind. They didn't change your mind. They're still standing. Because they've got some convictions. Because they've got some connections on a heavenly realm that's coming down into the earth. And now there's a conflict between heaven and earth. And they're not budging and they're not moving. And so he says, well, I'll throw you in the lion. I'll throw you in the burning, fiery furnace then. And I'll heat it up seven times hotter. And so he does so hot that the guys that throw them in die because it's so hot. And he throws them into the burning, fiery furnace. And then he's looking in there. He said, wait a minute, I thought we put in three, but now I see four like the son of man. And people conjecture about what that means. But he's, he's basically seeing a manifestation of God that's walking with them in the fire. Because the king of the kingdom showed up. That's what happened, really. <laughs> That's what happened. He said, I thought we put three in, but I see one. Who's that? That's the king of kings and lord of lords in there with him. And he's from outside coming in and revealing that it may look like three scrawny dudes that won't bow to a band that's playing and to an image, but there's something greater going on there. Those three were were, were children of the kingdom. They had convictions and they had an understanding that God is doing great things and we will not bow even if we're in captivity. We're going to stand because God's going to speak through us, through the generations, too many in the earth. Praise God. You, I mean, man, you could just go on and on and on in the Old Testament. And so then we come to the New Testament and Jesus... <clears throat> Jesus is coming... And now he's starting to teach. And let's look in John. John chapter 1 at the end of John chapter number 1. He calls, he's calling his disciples, and he calls Philip and Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is studying underneath a fig tree. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said, Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. Nathanael saith unto him, this is verse 48 of chapter 1, Whence thou knowest me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. 
Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee into the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. Now, there's a lot of discussion about what happened right there. Uh, why, why is it that Nathaniel, just based on what Jesus says, oh, just gives him these glowing terms when there's not a whole lot going on there? So Jewish rabbis and what have you have tried to figure out some things, and I, I'll just give it to you. It's plausible. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but, but they think that maybe because the Jewish rabbis would gather under the fig trees, and they would study. That's where they would do all the studying. So Nathaniel is under the fig trees and he's studying and Jesus comes along and their surmising is that Jesus reveals to Nathaniel exactly what he is studying so that there's this connection that is made that is so mind-blowing that Nathaniel recognizes he just read my mail. He knew what I was studying, reading. I don't know if that's plausible or not, but I, it's one explanation. I think really what happened there was a connection where Nathaniel recognized there's a greater, there's, there is in Jesus, there's something greater than this earth. And I'm just going through life. I'm studying, doing my thing. But all of a sudden somebody breaks in in such a way that reveals his power and authority to, to, to me. And I, I realize this is not just a rabbi, not just a teacher, but this is somebody that is different. And so at the end of that, look at this. At the end of that, Jesus said, if you're impressed by that, you're going to see greater things than that. And Jesus said in verse number 51, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the heaven open and the angel, angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So what happens to Jacob in the Old Testament when he's taking a nap and he has a dream and ascending and descending and he calls the name Bethel, and God breaking in. Now Jesus is saying, the son of man, the angels are going to ascend and descend. This is the main point about the dove that comes and settles on Jesus when he's baptizing. Because this is from heaven to the earth. That this is uh, not, not, not another person, not another deity. This is God manifested in the flesh. And the God that Jacob saw ascending and descending on the ladder is now descending in the form of Jesus Christ to the earth. And he's bringing heavenly truth into the earth. This is Jesus. Hallelujah. This is God manifest in the flesh. And he's coming with all power. And he is coming in a physical form to reveal to everybody that will listen that you're seeing the manifestation of the power and the glory and the sovereignty of God. It's not just out here somewhere now. It is among you. And it's walking among you, teaching and directing. And there is power. And Jesus holds all of that sovereignty and all of that power. And, and they couldn't understand that. Jesus would make statements like, I am. I am the I am. I, I am the bread of life. I am the truth. And, and he said something about Abraham. They said, we've had our father Abraham, and, and we know who he is. And Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. Because what was descending was greater than Abraham. What was descending was greater than Jacob. There was a power and authority that was coming down, resting upon Jesus. And Jesus was bringing spiritual truth into the world that was from another dimension. Praise God. When we preach Jesus and the power of 
Jesus, we're not talking about an earthly dimension. Praise God. An earthly dimension will only get you so far. But a Jesus dimension will take you into heights that you could never have imagined. An earthly dimension, you may get some counseling. But from a Jesus dimension, you'll get some healing and some direction. On an earthly dimension, there may be some wisdom. But when Jesus descends into your world, he's bringing to you something that is greater. Amen. I got to wrap it up here tonight. Musicians come if you, or today. Musicians come if you would. Jesus is coming and he's bringing a heavenly dimension in. Woo. And so he teaches and he preaches. At one point, he got the disciples all together and he said, in his teaching, he's talking about the Holy Ghost, he's talking about a spirit that he's going to send to them, and he breathes on them. He's exemplifying something that is to come. And so he tells them a comforter is coming. The spirit of truth is coming. The power is coming. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What's ascending and descending? The Spirit of God is falling and filling people with the Holy Ghost. That is the mission of God. From the very beginning when God is building and he's creating and he's revealing there's something greater from the outside coming into the world. All through the Old Testament, there's a plan that there is a promise. There's a spirit. There's something coming. And Jesus said, I'm the one in which there is an ascending and descending power of truth and anointing. And I'm telling you, I'm paraphrasing, I'm telling you that there's coming a day in which you will experience a rest that is not associated with the Sabbath, which was connected to the seventh day where God rested. But God said, in all my vision, I'm going to put something in your life that can be a daily rest. This is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. It's going to be the Holy Ghost. Praise God. That is going to be the rest in your life that comes from heaven to the earth. We've got a job to do to continue the mission of God and the kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God is bringing his kingdom into the earth. You know what? When we start praying sometimes, we start praying, oh God. It's so bad. I need some help. I need direction. I've made a mistake. I need help here. I need this. That's how we approach things in our prayer life, and, and that's incorrect. You're not supposed to come to God, and the first thing that you bring to God is all your troubles and problems and difficulties. That is not the pattern of prayer. The pattern of prayer is the kingdom. Our Father, which art in heaven, he is great, he's worthy, he's sovereign. And so I'm going to give you praise, and I recognize you're the king of the kingdom. And so I want to praise the king. I want to worship the king. I want to magnify the king before I ever get to any petition. And then what follows the king is the king.
kingdom. How can I be used to the kingdom? God, help me. What can I do to better facilitate the kingdom? How can I build in the kingdom? Because the kingdom is what is important. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's not about my job. It's not about my occupation. It is not about my edu education. It's about the kingdom of God. What can I do in the kingdom? I want to serve the king in the kingdom. How can I do it? That's what is supposed to start. That's why we started there and stopped there. We're, we're not going to get today. We're not in. Give us our daily bread. We're not into lead us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom. We're not getting into that. We're just talking about how can I be involved in the kingdom. And so when God drops the Holy Ghost in and the church starts its work, it's got a job to continue what God started in the very beginning. I thought, I thought we were just a part of uh, First Pentecostal Church. Actually, the, the correct name is First Pentecostal Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Baker, oh, sorry. The actual name is Raider Bakersfield's First Pentecostal Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the legal term. That's a mouthful. Where do you go to church? Greater Bakersfield's First Pentecostal Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Must be powerful because that's a mouthful. So we've shortened that to GBFPC. Are you with me? And people are like, wait a minute. What's GBFPC? Greater Bakersfield's First Pentecostal Church. Where we follow truth, proclaim truth, and celebrate truth. Right? <laughs> we've shortened it. But where, I thought it just started in 1943, and that's who we are. We come here, and we've got some family. No, no, no. This local church goes beyond just right here. It's connected to something that is greater. Why do you give to missions? What is important? Why, why don't we just keep all the money right here, and let's just have a good old time right here? Because the kingdom is bigger than this local church. Don't push me back on that. Don't, don't push me back. Don't push back on that because if, if, if there's pushback back on that, we, we fail to recognize something very, very uh, voluminous and sovereign and huge and magnanimous, and that is this church. Thank God for the blessing in this community that this church represents, but the kingdom of God is bigger than Bakersfield, California, and so we got to do everything that we can to help in Mexico, Ethiopia, Kenya, the continent of Africa, Russia. We're doing all this kind of stuff, giving money, trying to help, traveling, teaching, doing everything that we can from the local church because the kingdom of God is bigger than just this local place. It is a global mission and the kingdom moves forward in power and authority. I want to be full of the Holy Ghost so that I can do the work of God. Amen. And the kingdom is still moving as we stand together in the house of God today. The kingdom of God is still moving in powerful ways because our job is not finished and it will never be finished until he returns praise God and so I want to reflect, I want to reflect today on the kingdom of God what's in the kingdom of God everything in the New Testament that the New Testament church was doing is the kingdom of God that comes from earth it comes from heaven to earth healing is part of the kingdom salvation is part of the kingdom part of the kingdom. There's a lot of work that we got to do as a part of the kingdom. Amen. I want us to lift up our hands today and say thank God for helping me and allowing me to be a part of the kingdom of God.
Praise God. Did you know when you're praying, you're not just praying in these four walls, but it goes outside of these four walls and it enters into the kingdom of God, into a heavenly place where God hears every petition that you pray, every prayer that you pray. Praise God. Goes beyond the confines of four walls and a roof and a ceiling and enters into the place of the king. Praise God. We are his constituents. I don't know what you might have need of here in the house of God. We're going to give you a chance to step into this well area and pray uh, to a God of the kingdom. We do need to pray for Brother Ari Prada, who had a major heart attack. And initially, they said he was going to need a heart transplant. It was so bad. But he is somewhat recovering. And they had to put two stints in. And he's, he's, he's still very, very, it's, it's very, very critical. So we need to pray for him. Amen. Today. And we also need to pray for Lupa Clark. This is a prayer request from Sister Cormasa for her family. This is what I'm talking about. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. She wants a prayer for her family in Liberia. I thought Sumo and Cormasa, they're just part of our church. No, it goes, goes somewhere else. Did you know there are situations in churches just like ours where somebody like Cormasa is praying for somebody in Libya some, or in uh, Liberia and then they get the Holy Ghost and then they say, we, we need a church and then a church is started out of something that happens here. Did you know the, 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 the mission of God is so global that who knows who walks through these doors how that's going to translate to all the way across the world? You believe that? You have faith to believe that? It, it happens. It's happening. It happens. Praise God. Amen. The work of God in the kingdom of God is, is greater than just our local situation. So we want to pray for those needs. You may have something you're praying about. Amen. Let's do the work of the kingdom here today. And let's lift up our faith and our confidence before God and ask Him to elevate us. Did you lift up your you voice? Your children, I thank you, God. You are the same God. You are the same God. You answer prayers. heavenly and powerful. Come down in the house of God today. Hallelujah. Hold the earth in this place and let us feel your anointing and your touch.
Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Martin Fields read in scripture reading from John chapter 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus in verse number 10, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that you do not know, that you do know, and testify that we have seen, and you receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and you believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of earth, of heavenly things? No man hath ascended to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. If I've told you earthly things, and you believe not, how can I tell you of heavenly things? Praise God. One more time before we leave here today, we need to open our minds to receive heavenly things. If, if, if he can tell us earthly things and we have a hard time grasping earthly things, how can he tell us heavenly things? I want to make sure my focus is not so much on the earth that God can't tell me heavenly things. That's the crux of the matter here today. We get so caught up in all the earthly things that God can't break through and tell us heavenly things. We need to pray together in the house of God today. Praise God. Reveal to me heavenly things, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's it. Come on, lift up your voice and pray that prayer together. Reveal to me heavenly things. Help me to get beyond all the earthly things. They're there. They're a part of life. But I want something greater. I want to experience heavenly things. I want wisdom and knowledge and counsel to come from out of this world. I'm tired of this world. But God, bring something that is more powerful and that is greater, that comes from the heaven and reveals to me your truth and your direction that helps me, no matter how small, no matter how great. Reveal to me heavenly things. Praise God. As they sing again one more time, lift up your hands and let's pray that together. I love you, Lord, and praise you. Hallelujah. You Hallelujah. You're a God that provides. Provide to us. Hallelujah. Help us to break into the realm. Save. 